Hello, how is everyone doing out there in Geek Buys Nation? This is another wonderful episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Well, you know, a show that we do every Wednesday, 7 p.m. EST, where we break down the last week in professional wrestling. Uh, I got a great show for you guys. Um, a lot of stuff to cover with WrestleMania weekend, you know, being this weekend, actually. And I'm going to also just start off before I introduce my amazing co-host by saying I am on a lot of different antibiotics right now. I'm just getting over a cold, so just bear with me. I still wanted to go over this stuff and talk to my wonderful members of, of this great group of Geek Buys Nation and talk about everything. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get through this. I'm going to have to start drinking whiskey real soon. But anyways, like I said, my co-host tonight, who's on every week with me, Christopher, Brother Ray Patton. How you doing, man? I am doing wonderful. A lot better than you, man. Sorry to hear you're sick. I got a uh, couple Miller High Lives here. All these wonderful cards from this weekend coming up pulled up in front of me, and I'm fucking ecstatic. It's Mania Week, man. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, I basically told everyone to, uh, you know, fuck off this weekend. Don't even call me because I'll be in my cage <laughs> of my room watching all these pay-per-views back to back to back to back as, as much as I can, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. We do actually have a couple news items, two of them that just popped up right before our show. So, right now, the news, uh, first big item, uh, you know, there's this guy named Jim Ross that we've been talking about for a long time, a, uh, a voice of, my, of mine in uh, Chris's childhood. Uh, a lot would say that he is the John Madden to professional wrestling, and I would have to agree with them. Um, but Jim Ross uh, has officially signed a deal with All League Wrestling. Uh, so basically within this, it says that he's going to be making his first in-ring, uh, appearance as announcer at Double or Nothing, um, you know, it, on May 25th at the MGM Grand, but he will, this is the quote that AEW said, he will also work closely with the senior leaders at AEW on a uh, roadmap to, to shift and reinvent the wrestling landscape. Let me try to do that a little bit better. Kind of threw me off a little bit. It might be, like I said, the meds. He will also work closely with the senior leaders of AEW on their roadmap to shift and reinvent the wrestling landscape. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. All right, and, and this was basically the quote <laughs> from JR. J, JR, he, he went on a couple days ago, actually, and said on his Facebook page that there are talks with him in the AEW and that he would let us know stuff soon. So a lot of us already presumed he'd have some involvement. From this statement, it kind of, to me, makes it seem like they're going to be using him for a lot of his strengths because, I mean, for, for one, he was a road agent for years for, for WWE. He was also one, the, the head person in charge of talent relations for a very long time. So they know that outside of announcing, maybe if that's commentating, which is his bread and butter, or back you know, back interviews and such, you know, all that is on the table with him, I believe. And he made a statement saying, based on this, he said, I'm moving on in a very positive way to this timely opportunity to be on the ground floor of one of the most exciting moments in the history of professional wrestling. I've known Tony, Cody, the Young Bucks, and Kenny for a long time. And I know they're going to change the world of professional wrestling. Their roster is already packed with top-level talent and up-and-comers. They've got a huge show coming up in May. They brought game-changing partners like Culture City, and they've got an all-inclusive welcome culture like I've never seen before. I'm ready to change the world with them. 
All right, so I know I did a really horrible job briefing through that, Chris, but between the quotes of what JR said, between what AEW said about JR, and just in general, how do you feel about this? And did you really, you, you, you kind of saw it coming, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, when we talked about it, uh, I guess not last week, but the week before, when uh, after he asked for his release, this was kind of where we thought the landing spot might be. Um, I had thrown out some ideas about specifically doing some sort of uh, talk show almost, or like his podcast with uh, in kind of getting some of these less known guys over by having conversation with them about their career, similar to what he does with his podcast, but it being filmed on maybe parts of be the elite or on their YouTube page or something like that. Um, and then we talked about commentating role, obviously. And uh, it's really great to hear that they're, they've locked him in as a commentator, at least for this first show. Um, they've also announced that Excalibur is going to be a, in some sort of role as a commentator, as well as Justin Roberts. So that team is looking really nice. Uh, not a huge fan of three-man commentating teams, but with JR probably taking lead um, and then you know him and Justin Roberts going back and forth and Excalibur kind of being there as a color guy, uh, I think it could be a lot of fun. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know how far his reach is going to go uh, in the back. Obviously, we all that stuff is up in the air right now. And um, right now, we don't have any kind of TV information when that show is going to be coming or what date it's going to be or what station it's going to be on. Hopefully, that all comes after this pay-per-view. But, yeah, I mean, I'm always excited for Jim Ross. Um, I would say anyone that is a Jim Ross fan, you should check out that episode of Be the Elite where they have Justin Roberts and they talk about Excalibur. And they go and visit uh, Jim Ross, and he kind of talks about how he doesn't want to quit working um, and how he kind of – he basically states that fans that think that the business has kind of passed him by, like a lot of the people who watched him do New Japan commentary. And one of the things that I said is I think that he kind of struggled in New Japan because he wasn't there in the moment with the booking day to day. He was more just going in and filming himself talk um, after, you know, after the recordings were done of the pay-per-views. So this is going to be a whole different atmosphere for him, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do with it. Uh, overall, very exciting. Definitely, I recommend everyone check that out. Uh, be the Elite episode that came out. And um, it's posted up on Cody's Twitter, AEW's Twitter, obviously their YouTube page. But, uh, yeah, it was a really great little quick interview. I think um, the Justin Roberts segment with Brandy Rhodes was pretty funny. And uh, it's it's going to be exciting. Uh, how do you feel, Dane? Are, are you stoked for it? Oh, absolutely. I mean – if you're going to build a commentating team, I think Excalibur is really amazing. Uh, he's just a really good, just straight, um, you know, commentator, basically. And, I mean, I don't know a lot of his work, but every time I've heard him commentate for New Japan or for the, uh, you know, the last show that they had, um, well, I, I, you can't really call it AEW, but you know what I'm talking about, um, in Chicago. Like, they've uh, – all in. Thank you. I'm thinking myself. But uh, – They've always he's always brought a really good commentating game, just a straightforward commentator. JR has a lot of power in his voice. He can make he basically paints a really broad picture uh, just by channeling himself, if you will, just by getting excited and just knowing what to do. I think that having him also there as a mentor uh, for the other commentators and just the creative people in the back is gonna be something good. He brings experience. He doesn't down the current product you know, like some of his contemporaries. And as much as I love Jim Cornette and even Tony Schiavone to an extent, they kind of seem like they're stuck in the past, you know, a bit. Um, 
more so Cornette than anything. Uh, but JR seems like he's always on the pulse, and he wasn't done. He didn't want to just be on a fucking Legends contract, and I think that's awesome. He made some statement, I don't remember exactly, saying that him and Vince – you know, thought it was a good idea when they parted ways, and he told him that he was going to be doing this with AEW, and he was wished him the best of luck. I'm sure there's a lot more tension there, kind of like the whole Kosherko now. You know, we're, we're hearing from Chris that he's basically been erased from WWE. But, I mean, that type of stuff's going to happen, I, unfortunately. But either way, I'm glad that JR gets to creatively work at his age you know, contribute to commentary, contribute to announcing, contribute to interviews, and probably help out with talent-related stuff, agent-related stuff, and be able to bring that old-school force that he had previously from the 80s and stuff like that um, into what he was able to accomplish during the 90s of the Attitude Era. I mean, he's got a lot of experience in different eras of wrestling that he helped contribute to. He's seen the best of the best be able to present how to do that between – I mean, if just between working for Bill Watts uh, to, you know, uh, working for uh, Crockett Promotions to working underneath Vince, I mean, he's got a very intelligent eye when it comes to professional wrestling. So just and before I pass to you, just to wrap up, Tony Khan said, I've been a part of. I've been part of the wrestling community since I was seven years old, and there's no greater thrill than welcoming the voice that I grew up with, Jim Ross, to our AEW family. We all share the common goal to make this a true golden age, to make this the greatest time ever to be a professional wrestling fan. And as a business, we also seek to make this the new golden age for the performers and our staff members. Our entire team is thrilled to have Jim on board, and we can't wait to shake things up together. And apparently, uh, Ross said that this is the most lucrative deal in commentary history for his deal with AEW. So Tony's shelling out that money. He wants a lot of talent. He's already said many a times that it's not so much he wants. He doesn't want to compete with WWE at all. That's not his goal, but he wants to have something, something bigger than a lot of the other formats. Basically, if New Japan was an American organization, because New Japan is someone that you can compare it to. Triple H to an extent, too, but they're in a different market. He wants to be a present force that's not trying to rival them and have another Monday Night War but be able to put a lot more within the industry than some of these other places that I like, like Ring of Honor and Impact are doing. Uh, any closing statements about this before we uh, move on to the next news item, buddy? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say is the, the quote at the end uh, by Cody Rhodes of the episode where it was like, why are you so set on Jim Ross? And Cody Rhodes' response is, because he's Jim fucking Ross, was kind of our <laughs> response. Uh, when, when we brought up the conversation of him going to AEW. I mean, he is Jim fucking Ross. He is a legend. So I am not surprised at all that the deal got done. I'm just more excited to see how they utilize him. And I think that, you know, hearing him commentate with all of his knowledge of Jericho over the years versus Kenny Omega at this pay-per-view is going to be phenomenal. And I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, I'm super excited for it. And just the potential of also other commentators to be a part of this. At the C2E2, you know, the, the same thing that right before it was announced that Excalibur was going to be a part of their stuff, they were asked about commentators. Um, and, of course, the Bucks brought up that Cody would really love JR. So that was a big pop. The Bucks said Excalibur. Kenny, now I know that he is working with New Japan as a commentator, and he is actually one of the creatives behind Impact. Kenny is talking about really wanting some involvement from Don Callis. 
with people like that at your helm as your announce team and not someone trying to micromanage you in your ear, that's going to be whoever they get, a hell of an announce team, hell of interviewers. I think that they're looking at a really, 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 they have a lot of interesting things going into the future, basically. All right. Yeah. The next thing, um, as reported by PW Insider, uh, the Uso brothers have signed an extended deal, a multi-year deal with WWE. So uh, apparently they have been actually going back and forth. Uh, There's been a lot of uh, apparent talk between them and AEW, and uh, they're deciding to stick around. Um, And we know that this weekend, and we'll get into it a little bit later, that they're going to be going against uh, I think it's the bar, Rusev and Nakamura, and Ricochet and Aleister Black in a four-way tag match for the titles. I would expect them to retain that. Uh, I mean, besides being one of the best tag teams, you know, in the in WWE and in professional wrestling. Um, but yeah, you know, they lost they lost someone like the club, who I don't think they looked as much into as the Usos. But Usos are sticking around. We knew that those two teams specifically were thinking about diving. One did. One decided to stay. What do you think about the Usos' decisions, Chris? Uh, for me, the Usos thing seemed more like leverage for money. I, I don't think that they really – I can't think of a reason why they would be unhappy with the push that they've been getting of recent years. Um, like you said, one of the best tag teams, obviously, if the contract's about to be up, there's a reason to go try to get them if you're the competition. But uh, I, I never really thought they were going anywhere. I think this kind of cements that – I don't think New Day's also going anywhere. Those those two teams to me are kind of just aligned by the stars, kind of like uh, you know the the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express just being kind of aligned with one another um, throughout history. And uh, I, I'm glad that they're staying with WWE. I think they could have done really cool stuff in AEW with the Young Bucks, and hopefully one day, maybe when they're done with their this next contract or maybe future changes and companies are more willing to I don't know do shows together or something we'll get to see that match because I, I really would love to see Young Bucks versus the Usos and as of right now I'm super stoked uh, for it they, obviously you know Naomi is still part of WWE so that probably factored into some of their decision making but you know I think it's a really good thing for WWE because outside of the bar the Usos and the New Day they haven't been able to make a top tier tag team. And a lot of that is their booking. Uh, uh, I think some of the booking they've done around the revival, I know they're trying to get war machine up and going uh, the, the Rowan and Harper experiment where they had them LARP obviously failed. They did nothing with the, uh, the good brothers, which is a good reason why they were leaving. And um, right now they're just kind of rebuilding. So keeping the use of those there for WWE, at least for their tag division, at least, in my mind, secures that you should always have at least one good tag team match <laughs> per pay-per-view because you could always fall back to, you know, the New Day versus the Usos or the New Day versus the – or the Usos versus the Bar um, and then probably War Machine, so on and so forth. Um, and, and we all know that Alistair and Ricochet aren't going to stay the tag team. So I, I think that you know, a lot of it's they got to build up new tag teams, but it's a, it's a good keep for WWE. Yeah, I definitely completely agree. I mean, this is a win as far as the tag division uh, goes with, with WWE being able to keep them 
And like you said, we have the New Day, we have the Revival, we have – basically, I'm, I'm going to ask you before we move on, Chris, is do you think based on the fact that creative's kind of thin, they have a lack of tag teams, they seem like they might be doing this with the women's just uh, division in general with both tag team and the singles title, should they just brace or break down the belts into one belt and not have them be on both SmackDown having one championship and, and, and Raw having one championship? I kind of think that the split brands inevitably are going to come to the end when they switch the box. Cause to me, it's a hard sell for any battling networks, even though they're on different nights to go, well, you only get this half of the talent. And I think it, for the tag team division specifically, it makes a lot of sense because they do not have enough built tag teams to support two shows. Um, so yeah, I could totally see that. I can also see the brands in general ending pretty quickly um, when this Fox deal gets put in place. So I guess time will tell, but uh, I, 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 I'm not sure that the, uh, the, the current landscape, especially with them talking that the, the possibility of SmackDown moving to a three-hour show, which has been kind of rumored out there, that you're not going to get two three-hour shows with a combined roster, which could be good or could be terrible depending on how the – booking is and how they decide to fill that stuff. Exactly. And also, uh, I mean, to coincide with our next, next topic and our last news topic, if they ever decide to do an off season um, or some type of trade off to allow professional wrestlers, you know, time to have a way to rest uh, for a period of time that could alter their schedule too. And who knows exactly what is going to happen within the future between the Fox stuff. And then also a lot of, um, I would I would definitely say criticism. Uh, so if you don't know exactly what we're talking about, uh, John Oliver on um, last week tonight, he had a presentation, and for 22 minutes he basically went into professional wrestling and how he thought that it was messed up that they don't really cater to, say, a retirement plan, you know, through the company. There's not health insurance directly through the company. Um, and just like a lot of the stuff, you know, the fact that Jesse Ventura fought to unionize, he neglected to mention that the reason why Vince found out about that is because Hulk Hogan basically, uh, you know, kind of called him out about it. So he, because he was making his money, brother, brother, if you understand what I'm saying, um, and kind of sold out Jesse to Vince, which caused like a crash in that whole entire thing. But the concept of unionizing uh, these, these athletes that are considered, you know, for the most part, free agents, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, since there's certain things with, uh, that come, certain territories that come with being a free agent that's not really executed. Um, and, yeah, basically, this was not a happy thing for WWE going to WrestleMania weekend to kind of get. Uh, he definitely made Vince McMahon look to be a pretty malicious, evil man, uh, you know, that the twisted mustache villain, if you will. Um, and on certain things, rightfully so. I mean, on, on certain things, I think that, you know, there were certain call-outs that made a lot of sense. Um, there have been a lot of tragic deaths when it came to professional wrestling. I think that the thing that probably stuck the most with a lot of us was Roddy Roddy Piper in his interview that a lot of us have heard previous to this, talking about how he doesn't see himself being able to live to 65 to get, you know, that that doesn't even seem like an option. And obviously he did die before that. He wrestled a long time going into it. So I don't know if Rowdy really, if that's fair. I don't think that he's blaming WWE. I think on the, 
on the other side of a lot of this information that was given out to some people that had no idea and even maybe a good bit of wrestling fans that didn't know the details because they don't know that much information. It painted a very negative look, but at the same time, like I was saying, I don't think Piper would actually blame the WWE for any of his shortcomings. I don't think a lot of wrestlers do. I'm sure some do, but I'm sure that a lot of them, and I've heard from wrestlers specifically on this issue, them say that they knew exactly what they were getting into from the beginning and that they didn't really highlight from them. The two biggest things that they didn't do on this um, uh, you know, piece that John Oliver did about the WWE specifically with pro wrestling about trying to get union, you know, uh, trying to get a union for them basically and have all these principles stuff set up was the fact that, I mean, they do actually pay for, if you get injured, if you got a family emergency, someone gets hurt, something like that happens. WWE usually shells out all the money for all of that. They, they also pay for the surgery itself, the rehab, the hospital bills, anything major that happens to you and your family, they always try, they, they help out with the cost of that out of their pocket. Um, I'm not saying they're saints for that, but that wasn't really shown at all. They also have sent wrestlers that they didn't have to, that made bad decisions against their company and said horrible things about them. Jake the Snake Roberts comes to mind. Uh, recently, uh, friend of the show, but let's be honest, Jeff Jarrett comes to mind as well. Um, there's all that. They sent them to rehab. They, they try to get their life back in order. So it seems like if you're going to show one side of the coin, you should probably try to show both sides of the coin. And I, I think I'm forgetting some of the other stuff. So I'm just going to pass it to you, Chris. Um, and maybe if I think about stuff, I'll, I'll, I'll chime in. But what did you think about this piece from John Oliver on the show? A hit piece, I, I think will. that he, Yeah, I mean, I think he pointed out of a, lot, a lot of problems that have been pointed out for a long time as far as the term independent contractor and how it's used in wrestling. Um, obviously, with WWE, when you sign a contract, you cannot go – under most contract stipulations – you're not allowed to go wrestle anywhere else. So you're not truly an independent contractor. Um, that is actually the biggest issue. Uh, the travel schedule obviously sucks, but within wrestling, if you're not there week in and week out, fans can forget about you. So even if you present like a travel schedule, I don't know that you're ever get to a point where you're going to have a top guy or someone who is headed to the top, getting a real big push, willing to take time off uh, necessary. I don't know how you do that unless you do a seasoned show like Lucha Underground tried to do. Um, so some of that stuff is is there and would make sense for wrestlers to have a break and rotating rosters and things of that nature. It's just, you know, WWE has been audited, uh, I, I believe, back in 2008 when Linda McMahon ran for senator. They were audited uh, for two years over WWE business practices by the government um, of Connecticut. And they were unable to say that wrestlers are not independent contractors. So however WWE is handling that, they're obviously, you know, fulfilling whatever it requires based on the letter of the law that those people are independent contractors, whether, you know, you like it or not. I would say by definition, if you can only work for one place and you're tied into a two or three year deal with set money, you're an employee and not an independent contractor. And I think that is something they've proven. Uh, the downside of, of a lot of his argument is it does harken back to the past, which with WWE, there's a lot of glaring problems there going back till Vince, when Vince took over in 81 through the Hulkamania area, uh, era. And you start talking about these people and, and the people who have died and passed away. And you realize that it was really renegade. There was not really a 
wellness policy. They didn't even do steroid testing until the steroids lawsuit in the 90s with Vince. Um, there's a lot of stuff there that they hit on. And then there was a bunch of stuff they chose to ignore. The fact that WWE does have a wellness policy, the fact that wrestlers do have insurance, maybe not family insurance, but they do have insurance that covers their health, as you alluded to. Um, for instance, like, I'm, I, it's not 100% confirmed, but I have heard that, like, uh, like for instance, Roman Reigns' leukemia treatments would have been covered under their, you know, whatever policy he was under. Um, so it's it's kind of a weird thing where they ignore all of the stuff that WWE has done in recent years to change. But Vince is really easy to paint as a villain in general. So some of that is deserved, I think, especially with all the controversy around wrestlers that have passed away. A lot of that is hard lifestyle in general. It's not just WWF wrestlers that had these problems uh, during the 80s and 90s, as we could go through that list and and obviously see that they lived very hard lifestyles traveling town to town. That's why, uh, you know, the dedication to wrestling back then is, was, is kind of insane. And why you see someone like Ric Flair or Terry Funk and you're like, how the hell are they still alive? Uh, it's almost like they're superhuman. But uh, it, it was a different time in wrestling. And I would say, you know, since 2008 when the wellness policy was introduced, I think it's a good thing. I do think that there's a lot of shades of this that, should be talked about um, unionizing wrestlers becomes a hard thing as well. We talked about this a little bit with AEW when they were talking about uh, possibly fair pay and unionization and in health benefits, those things that were brought up that haven't really been talked about since, at least not to my knowledge, um, which is in wrestling, the idea is to get yourself over <laughs> and be the best. So, you, you want your pay to represent that the same as it would in any kind of sport and unionizing would in theory hurt that to some extent, or you could end up with like what you have in the NFL where you have a player's union, but with it split across so many independent federations, the fact AEW is right around the corner, the fact impact wasn't even touched on or wrestling in Japan wasn't touched on. It's really easy to say WWE wrestlers should unionize. But this also would be one of the hardest things to do as a business in general. Um, there's a lot of shades of gray, but uh, for overall, just pointing out, you know, the independent contractor situation, the travel schedule, the fact that WWE has had these problems, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. It was done kind of tongue in cheek. Um, you know, you show Vince McMahon getting hit with a bedpan, or you show like an interview with Brett wrestling. Uh, the documentary Wrestling with Shadow is about Vince's treatment of wrestlers. As a wrestling fan that knows all of this stuff, you kind of like, yeah, but there's another tale to the Brett stuff. Um, he wasn't treated any better in WCW. In fact, some, a lot would say worse. Like there's, it's, it's a double-edged sword with this whole conversation. And uh, I don't think, I think the positive thing is that people are actually talking about it for once. But it's, the, I mean, until you have a company come out or WWE comes out and actually acknowledges it and makes everyone an employee, it's going to be a really, really, it's just going to be a subject that's glossed over. Like it did not affect, it affected WWE for possibly one day in the stock market. And then they actually went up the next day headed into WrestleMania. 
So I don't, I don't know how much this actually means to non-wrestling fans or even die, you know, diehard wrestling fans or casual wrestling fans because it's a viral clip, but it's wrestling and, I mean, Vince has been victimized or, or posed as the villain. I shouldn't say victimized, but posed as a villain um, many different times, and he always seems to pull ahead of it. So it's just – it's it's interesting topic. I, I just don't know how much it actually does. And I definitely wouldn't expect anyone to be chanting anything at WrestleMania other than normal WrestleMania chant shit. Yeah, the annoying ones. Um, yeah, I, no, but I agree with you, and that's the thing. It's, it's. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's not fair within that because, like we said, that was the second thing. The the two flip sides, uh, the one that they didn't really paint that WWE does pay for a lot of health related things, um, and the fact that they use a bunch of old footage. They use a shitload of stuff and situations and stuff that's happened in the past. Uh, you know, and not only like a lot of these superstars. Uh, I love a lot of them, but they had previous previous lives outside of WWE, basically. Some of these guys from the 80s, you know, they had a pretty or, – or even guys maybe stemming from ECW that translated over to WWE or whatever. Some of it is not anything to do with Vince. It's, it's, it's their lifestyle as a wrestler on the road, getting addicted to painkillers, the steroid issues, all that type of stuff. So uh, I'll just end this conversation – with WWE's response to uh, to John Oliver's statement saying, John Oliver is clearly a clever and humorous entertainer. However, the subject matter covered in the WWE segment is no laughing matter. Prior to airing, uh, they responded to his producers refuting every point in his one-sided presentation. John Oliver simply ignored the facts, the health and wellness of our uh, performers is the single most important aspect of our business, and we have a comprehensive, long-standing talent, talent wellness program. We invite John Oliver to attend WrestleMania this Sunday to learn more about our company. And apparently, uh, John Oliver just disappeared shortly after that. So uh, I don't know what happened to him. You'll probably find limbs of his on different. Um, no, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Oh uh, man, I just realized that. That, I wasn't trying to coincide that with the Saudi Arabia thing. My mind went there right afterwards. I apologize. That I was. That was a. a <laughs> I'm just saying, it was like a mob thing. Okay, I just watched a mafia movie. I'm sick. Give me a break. Either yeah. way, well, you're think, you're I've thinking done, about that. Uh, you were thinking about that new Vince McMahon script that they wrote recently, <laughs> where they made yeah, all, exactly. the, all the all the territorial bookers, uh, mob, basically mob bosses, <laughs> the meeting of the seven hey, families. You see. Yeah, uh, you see. <laughs> But I mean, right. the one thing I will—the one thing I will say about the, the if if they didn't go to Saudi Arabia, John Oliver doesn't cover this. It doesn't ever make his show. Yeah, I don't so, think he's really going to care. I, I think you know the backlash with the Saudi Arabia thing has brought WWE, and once you have one bump, you know, once you see that little tear in the armor, so to speak, it, it's a lot easier to go after a company. And they didn't do themselves any fucking favors going to Saudi Arabia that specific week or even accepting that deal, which we've talked about in the past. So I would expect more bashing of WWE in the future, especially if they go back to Saudi Arabia again. Um, but what I would say is the points he made, while being fair, I don't want to say they were one-sided. It's definitely A-side, but it's all knowledge that's been out there forever. And I would highly recommend people to check out this week's uh, Observer and uh, listen to Meltzer break down this thing almost year by year. 
Um, him and Alvarez go back and forth on it for about 30, 40 minutes. So, you know, historian Dave does do a good job of talking about all these different problems and, and as well as the, the new wellness policy and what he thinks it's done good and what he thinks it's done bad. And a lot of it is similar to any sport with a concussion protocol. They go over that, but uh, definitely check that out. If you're interested in this topic at all, don't just take our opinions. Go and uh, definitely check out that observer, and then probably take out uh, check out the I believe the uh, the Jason Powell also uh, talked about it on his podcast, which was was interesting. So check all that stuff out. Definitely. All right. So let's move on to us reviewing uh, some of the big wrestling pay-per-views this weekend. We got a doozy of them. I mean, besides the ones that we're going to kind of highlight and go over, I mean, you got stuff from Evolve happening. You have a lot of awesome matches that are not going to be televised from WWE between superstars of um, of, of the main roster of, of NXT UK, uh, of NXT in general, of you know, just so much stuff going on. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. And uh, I guess before we move on, I have a couple matches of a particular pay-per-view that I'd like to talk about. But, uh, Chris, did you, did you see any, um, any certain match from a certain pay-per-view uh, that you were looking forward to talking about at all? I mean, one that stands out that I haven't followed that hard um, would be at MLW. It's probably Jimmy Havoc's last match. In MLW against Tom Lawler, I think that's going to be – it's a New York street fight, which I think will be very, very entertaining for the crowd. Those guys are probably going to beat the absolute shit out of each other. I think that's going to be a great match, as well as uh, the same card, L.A. Park versus Pentagon Jr. I'm pretty sure they're going to tear the house down. I feel really bad for Pentagon Jr. I think he's in like eight fucking matches in four days or something, which is – Holy shit, I know. Kind of nuts, but uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the L.A. Park versus Pentagon Jr. match. That one I will be checking out if I don't get to check out this entire uh, entire pay-per-view, but I, I'm looking forward to it. I know this is one that you were definitely looking forward to, but uh, also Brian Pillman Jr. Um, I think this is his first big pay-per-view against MJF. That should be an interesting match as well. Yeah, so it, it, it's it's really fun specifically with this pay-per-view. Um, is that the Hart Foundation is going against Dynasty, which is MJF's group, is two other gentlemen, kind of uh, similar in flavor to whatever Randy Orton, Ted DiBiase Jr., and um, and Cody Rhodes' team is. But that type of uh, concept going on. But MJF is obviously the speaking person, and they've been feuding with um, with the Hart Foundation, which is Davey Boy Smith Jr., Teddy Hart, and also Brian Pillman Jr., and he's taking on MJF, and I think it's a three-on-three, and the tag titles are on the line uh, as far as the one between the foundation itself uh, and Dynasty, but it's a tables match, and I've been loving both MJF and Brian Pillman Jr. on the mic, and they've they've put a lot of work, um, because before this, MJF was like the anti-hardcore guy in CZW, but that's pretty much most of his experience and Brian Hillman Jr. started off, got injured and he just recently came back. So he's been able to harness a lot of uh, qualities, you know, borrowing from his dad basically. Uh, but just the camaraderie that the Howard foundation has, it's, it's a lot of fun. And then Sammy Callahan versus uh, Mace uh, Warner should be a fucking just crazy ass match. So yeah, honestly, MLW, uh, I'm definitely going to check it out. I mean, you got LA park versus Pentagon jr. I mean, Pentagon is basically the heir apparent, if you will, of L.A. Park. I know his son, Kilo uh, de uh, L.A. Park, and also the guy that stole his gimmick and then basically 
uh, legalized it so that he could only have it with Maparka. It doesn't matter. The guy that's, that, that shares a lot and is always pinned with L.A. Park is Pentagon Jr., huge Pentagon fan. And like you said, Filthy Tom Lawler, I've seen him in some hardcore matches with Tommy, Sammy Callahan recently and Simon Gotch um, and also uh, uh, Loki. So he's been just – I watched him get a swirly from fucking Ken Shamrock in a bar brawl. I mean, he's just been a badass. I think he's retaining <laughs> his championship. But him and Jimmy Havoc, this being probably Jimmy's last match, like you said before, he's fully at AEW. It should be a lot of fun. And just uh, I love – there's this guy that's on that's coming up right now. He's going against Ray Horace, who's an awesome luchador. Uh, not to be confused with Ray Phoenix, but another one who is also on Lucha Underground. Uh, but Ace Austin, he is 22 years old. He's from Jersey. And he blew me away on Impact and an MLW. Uh, he has like a gambit like gimmick. If anyone checks out this pay-per-view, which I'm pretty sure like all of them are going to be free on YouTube and probably airing shortly after they do it live, uh, just check it out because a lot of great wrestlers, especially guys from uh, Impact that you see, you see a lot of them on here. Um, and that's only just a couple of them. But um, if I, I'm pretty much done uh, before we go into the Impact um, pay-per-view. Do you have anything last to say about it? Yeah, I mean, other than that, there's, uh, I mean, there's so many damn events going on. Uh, Session Mall's got like six matches, so I'll probably try to check out some of those matches. Uh, and then obviously, Brian Alvarez fighting for the independent title. <laughs> I guess the title of all indie wrestling against uh, um, was it Orange God? No, <laughs> I can't even think of his fucking name now. Um, go ahead into the next thing, and I will find his name. <laughs> Uh, so see. Brian, uh, I I heard that you, you you won the independent title this uh, this weekend. That's <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Hey, so that means that the, we talked about this beforehand. The, the uh, chop chop and roll express might feature after this weekend the independent champion, the ch- champion of all independents, Brian Alvarez. And filthy Tom Lawler, the MLW champion. So that that that's pretty cool. Did you did you find yeah, that name, sir? A, before we move on, yeah, it's a, it's it's Orange Cassidy. Uh, for some reason, I wanted to call him Orange Callahan, and he's also one of these guys that is wrestling in like five matches. I think he is also having a match with a uh, Session Moth, and I believe something with Joey Ryan. It may it may actually be at Joey Ryan's penis party, which is one of the events that'll be going on this weekend. Um, so there, there's going to be some fun stuff all around, but just for silly matches, it probably won't get very much coverage. The, the Alvarez Orange Cassidy match, just for his buildup of it, and the fact if he wins that title, it's going to be fucking hilarious for weeks to come. I'm I'm actually looking forward to that, and I'll probably try to find it and check it out. Definitely. All right. Well, the next one that we're going over, I'm really looking forward to. Uh, lots been uh, leading up to it on Impact. Uh, Impact Wrestling United, we stand. Um, and this is on, I believe, Thursday night? Yeah, I believe this is Thursday night. Um, but first match right off the top, this is listed. I don't know if any of these are in order. These could be a completely different order on the actual cards, but I'm just going by what all the websites are giving to me. But one hell of a fucking dream match. Extreme dream match, extreme rules match between Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix, the, the, uh, the Lucha Brothers, versus Sabu and Rob Van Dam. I have no idea if Sabu has any original hips left in his body, but I know Rob Van Dam can go still. Uh, this should be just fun and just ridiculous shit. 
Uh, right now, it's it's kind of funny. Uh, Pentagon and Phoenix are in a rivalry with their old friends LAX and Conan, but they're not facing each other, and that's what it really made it sound like on the show this last week uh, leading up to this. But maybe they're saving that. But this has been this has been uh, scheduled for a while. Uh, when when I first heard this, I was like, holy shit, this should be fun. Uh, Chris, how do you feel about this match, and who do you think is going to win this? Well. Uh... I, I don't know. It, it's kind of an interesting interesting matchup. I think that they're probably going to do a lot with they similar to what they did with Eddie Edwards and uh, Tommy Dreamer, where they do brawl mostly. You'll probably see some Sabu spots. Obviously, Sabu is not the same wrestler. Right? He has had hip replacement surgery. Um, I think he's going to give it his all. I think him and Rob Van Dam make a good team, fun to watch, former ECW tag champions. Um, it's going to be fun. I, I, I that's about all I can say. I don't know how the quality of the match is going to be, but it, it like these guys, if, if Sabu and Rob Van Dam obviously were in their prime, this match would probably end up being the match of the night. So I'm going to look forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. It's always interesting to see Sabu show up on a pay-per-view. He's one of my favorite wrestlers from the kid, um, you know, going harkening back just to him and Terry Funk in the barbed wire match. The first time I ever saw that. And uh, just seeing Sabu do crazy spots off chairs and, as a, if the nostalgia makes me want this match to be as awesome as I see it in my brain, it's probably not going to be that. But yeah. I'm still going to love it because Sabu's going to come out to the ring and point to the sky, and I'm going to fucking pop. <laughs> like, yeah. So I'm the nostalgia wise, I'm looking forward to it. I love Pentagon and Ray Phoenix. I think that you know them and Rob Van Dam can carry a lot. You're probably going to see a couple of cool Sabu spots, but I would expect you know. Um, more of Sabu getting taken out early and a lot of them working against Rob Van Dam. But uh, either way, I mean, fun match. I mean, especially this is with WrestleMania weekend and all the stacked cards, this is something that kind of unique that stands out, um, being an extreme dream match. And a lot of the matches on this, you know, you know as we go down this card, there's, you know, monster ball matches and ultimate X matches. So, Impact is definitely going the route of, hey, we're going to do these alternative type matches and kind of stand out, which I think is is a good thing for them. Um, it's going to be interesting. Well, I guess it's for the championship. Yeah. So probably Pentagon Ray Phoenix are going to win then because I don't think they're going to give the championships to Sabu and, and Rob Van Dam. Um, but, yeah, which, that's pretty which cool. Makes sense. I, didn't, I didn't realize that. I, I didn't well, either. I, I, uh because it's not listed, so I don't. Maybe they drop. It is. They, I mean, do they have a taped impact before this? I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, they might. Uh, maybe that's that's how we have a resolution of what's happening with them in LAX. Maybe there's one, and then this is going to release later unless you buy the pay per view live. That could be it. Yeah, because they definitely have. You're also one getting more LAX. Because I mean, we're getting later in that show. You're getting LAX versus Loki and Ricky Martinez. Which that yeah, could be your title exactly. match. Who knows? All right. Well, let's keep on going uh, down the thing. Um, so it's an Impact versus Lucha Underground handicap match. Uh, this is actually a really cool concept because you got three big bad dudes. Well, no. Well, Eddie Edwards is not as big, but Brian Cage, who's been doing awesome on it, one of my favorite guys on Impact. Eddie Edwards, who's had this crazy. He's now been channeling Mick Foley and coming out at different versions of himself. Like he came out as the old Eddie Edwards, and now, and then he keeps on flipping back to the crazy one. So he's doing things, I guess, with that. Um, and then also Moose uh, versus, uh, I mean, 
three of the biggest luchadors in Mexico, Aerostar, Draga, and Drago, and then Marty the Moth, which uh, Marty Martinez, big fan of his. He's definitely got like a Cactus Jack vibe if you watch Lucha Underground. But um, it's basically three on four. Uh, I guess even though they got Brian Cage and Moose, you would think the Lucha Underground guys would win. Possibly. It depends on how many of these guys they're going to be able to bring over to Impact, in my opinion, because I would think that you would want Moose and Eddie to go over as big stars in this match. Um, Because Lucha Underground's pretty much done. Like, they're bankrupt. That show's not going to get another season from everything that's showing. So unless they're going to be signing some of these guys, which recently not – I mean, this was kind of a news topic we missed last week. There's been several lawsuits where people are getting released from contract from Lucha Underground. So uh, I don't, I don't know. I could see, uh, I could see Moose and Eddie Edwards and Brian Cage going over in this match. It should be fun either way. But uh, if I'm Impact, I'm probably putting my guys over unless I'm going to bring bring one of these cats from Lucha Underground over full time uh, to book as as new stars because Moose is one of the, I would say, one of the biggest stars on Impact. And, and Eddie Edwards has had one hell of a push in the past year, just re-signed a new contract. So I would assume that you would want those guys to probably get the win here at Mania Weekend. Yeah, it would definitely make sense. I, I, I'm with you on that. All right, let's move on to the next match. Uh, I'll I'm not really that, you know, I don't know that well, but he, uh, Flamita – uh, is going against Rich Swan, who's the current um, X Division champion. He's been doing awesome on it. Um, it should be a fun match. I'm just going to assume that Rich Swan, uh, he, uh, you know, retains his title. Uh, do you see it any any differently? I think it'll be a really fun match. I'm also I've I've seen some uh, Flamita matches, but not enough to really speak on how good he is in the ring. I guess uh, should be a fun match. Rich Swan's been very impressive since he moved over to Impact. So uh, I think it'll be entertaining. I also think he probably retains. This is one of those situations, especially for Filamita, where both men can really raise their stocks from just having one great match on WrestleMania weekend. That's what we got to also realize with a lot of these things. So who knows? Maybe that can be them where everyone's like, did you see the Rich Swan Filamita match for the X Division title? Uh, all right. So we got the uh, knockouts one. We have uh, Ty Valkyrie, who's the champion. She just went heel along with John Morrison. Yeah, bad, bad boy. Jeez, Johnny Impact. Um, but she's going <laughs> against uh, the, the very lovely and scary Rosemary, uh, one of my favorites right now, Jordan Grace, and Katie Forbes in a four-way for the knockout uh, title match, or the knockout's title, I should say. Um, I mean, Jordan Grace has been the person that they've been pinning against, Taya. She keeps on getting screwed out of the title in storyline, so it makes sense for her. But Rosemary has just made her return Sorry, Katie Forbes. I'm not going to even put you in the picture right now, but I feel like Rosemary is going to win that title and, uh, you know, uh, get the championship, and then Taya can go and keep on feuding with Jordan Grace afterwards of who's the strongest, you know, female professional wrestler, if you will. Uh, do you see it differently, Chris? No, I kind of agree with you with Rosemary coming back and, and being one of the stars that stuck around on Impact. Um, I could definitely see her getting the title here. I don't, I don't see any reason not to, and you know, if all else fails after Taya finishes that feud, she can feud with Rosemary, which could be very entertaining. Um, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think, you know, Rosemary coming back is a big deal. It'd be a big fan moment, could add something to the match that was unexpected. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think maybe there is a, good, a really good chance that Rosemary could walk out uh, knockouts champion. 
And spoiler warnings to anyone that didn't watch the last episode of uh, Impact. So Rosemary has been off of wrestling and dealing with uh, Sue Young and trying to get the evilness out of Allie. Well, we know that Allie just signed with AEW. So they went – it's actually – they're fun segments, but it, it involves um, – uh, I forgot, Abyss's uh, manager, James, James Mitchell, and then going basically to hell to try to get Sue Young and try to find Allie's soul. And Allie died. So I guess that's kind of getting Allie from Impact since she's going to be going to AEW. So Rosemary's coming <laughs> with a vengeance. She's got a lot more aggression in her now. I don't know if they're going to add that into it, but I'm just giving some storyline. It, it, it was ridiculous stuff. It definitely reminded me of the early 90s with like Mankind and fucking Ultimate Warrior and Undertaker, but it was still a lot of fun. Anyways, Ultimate X match yeah, is for I, the uh, number I, one. Oh, sorry. I want to go, go check that stuff out now just because you said that because I, I love James Mitchell, and I'm sure that if he was there, he actually got it over. So I want to go check out that. He did. Shit. So, I think he I'm produced gonna... a lot of it with Rosemary. I'm pretty sure that I heard that. Some of the coolest Abyss moments was when James Mitchell was his manager, in my opinion, like early Abyss. So, uh, yeah, a fucking big fan of James Mitchell. So that's really cool. I, I might have to go back and check out some of the buildup and not just match highlights uh, from Impact past month and a half or two months. I think it was from the last month at least. It happened, at, I want to say, two pay-per-views ago maybe. But um, either way, we got an Ultimate X match. It's a tag match, which I thought those are only for – uh, I, don't, I don't really understand why they're doing it with just three tag teams, but whatever. Jay Chris and John Johnny Impact. Uh, no, no, no. Okay, this is straight. Okay, maybe this is for uh, number one contender for the X Division. I don't know. Jay Chris is going against Johnny Impact. Is going against Dante Fox, Pat Buck, Cotto Brazil, and Jack Evans. Well, pretty sure Jack Evans, uh, I believe, is the big wrestler dude from WWE. Um, that's was an MMA. I could be wrong about that. Um, I'm gonna assume Johnny Impact's gonna win because if he's getting, if this is making me think that he's getting screwed out of the title beforehand or anything like that, I don't know why he wouldn't. But this has a lot of great up and coming wrestlers with Dante Fox, uh, uh, Jake Chris, who's probably the more agile of the two Chris brothers, Cotto Brazil, who's awesome on MLW as well. I'm about to look at that Jack Evans thing. Uh, Chris, what do you think about this match? Well, J- Jack Evans is not uh, not Jack Swagger, who just had that okay. uh, that match. He 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 wrestled under Lucha Underground as uh, Jake Strong, I believe was his gimmick name there. But uh, I think he's really dedicated to MMA after his his last match. I think he he won in the first round in like like a minute and a half or some shit ridiculous. So you know why he's got that that swagger? Gonna... <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, no, uh, yeah, Jack Evans is just a uh, kind of a, a good cruiserweight wrestler I've seen in some matches. It's been a while since I've seen him wrestle. I know he um, he worked with the Young Bucks in PWG for a while when I was watching PWG pretty heavily. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I know he's done some stuff in Lucha uh, Underground. But yeah, uh, it should be a good match. I don't have any idea who's going to come out on top of this. I would assume that it's not going to be Johnny Impact just because I feel like he's a main event wrestler. He should be going for the title. So out, he has the title. That's the weird thing. I'm so confused yeah, so on this. I just don't see him. It would be really weird for him to win this match and 
I, I mean, maybe maybe they go that route and he does, they do title versus title with him and Rich Swan, which could be very interesting. But uh, yeah, more more than likely, I, I outside of that, I, did, I just don't know TNA's booking well enough to give you a good prediction. I just don't think Impact like if if I'm Impact, I'm not necessarily put, putting Johnny Impact over in this match just to give him a number one contendership against the X Division title match because you would think that would work the other way. If, if you're going to do yeah, that. Yeah, and that, that's what I'm curious about. If, if Is this, is this, I don't, I, I'm just assuming since it's the Ultimate X match, it's, it's for number one contender, but I, maybe they're just doing it for the fuck of it. But Johnny, unless he loses it in a tape thing, like we were talking about right before this, he's the current champion. I would assume that it would either be him, Jake Chris, or Dante Fox, just based on their, the three, three names out of that. Um, and they all are part of factions right now within Impact unless they want to make one of these other guys, you know, you know, raise their stock, if you will. But maybe it's it sounding like this pay-per-view is more fun than something that's really driven with the continuity. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. We've got two more matches. Do you have anything else to wrap up with that? No, I agree with you. And I mean, this could just be an ultimate X match, but there's <laughs> nothing around. There's no number one contendership. There's nothing. I, I like I said, I don't know enough about the storyline. So if that's the case, yeah, I mean, Impact, Johnny Impact could totally win and it not mean anything. Yeah, I do know the storyline. I'm still confused. Oh, well, well, it's it's still going to be fun, and especially this next match, a uh, Monsters Ball match. We got Sammy Callahan and Jimmy Havoc. Holy shit, two guys you wouldn't want to fucking meet. Uh, and then, whatchamacallit, uh, Loki and Ricky Martinez. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, I just read that completely wrong. The Monster Ball match is Sammy Callahan versus Jimmy Havoc. Um, I mean, these guys just destroy each other in every match. I've seen them have matches where they just basically just bloodied and gross all the way from CCW to MLW. Um, They're two of the more modern, known, hardcore wrestlers uh, of today's society for sure. Um, But it's Sammy's I mean, Sammy should win, just like we're talking about with Jimmy losing uh, to uh, Tom Lawler. You know, maybe this could be his transition out of having stuff to do at Impact, which is weird because he's only been there for like a little while now. He, was, he had more of a presence on MLW. But uh, what do you what do you think about this match for the Monsters Ball? I I think you easily. I think you probably put Sammy Callahan over here. I feel bad for Jimmy Havoc because he's got to have a hardcore match with Sammy Callahan and then have another one with Tom Lawler. <laughs> The same fucking Jesus. <laughs> but uh, and the Monsters Ball match is even weirder because I, if I remember right from TNA, it's been a while since I've seen a Monsters Ball match. But that's like their weird cage with the top. It's like their Hell in a Cell with shit taped to the top of it, like different weapons. Yeah, it's something it's like, like that. It's, it's like the a match Abyss came up with. Uh, it was like his idea, so it's it's a kind of a weird match in general. Um, but yeah, I, I think it'll, it'll be a lot of fun to watch those two guys try to tear each other apart. And obviously I think the smart idea for impact and for MLW and their working relationships probably to put Sammy Callahan over there. I mean, you would think so. He's one of their top guys. So we'll have to see. All right. So the next match is LAX, one of the best tag teams out there. Outstanding. Every time I see a match, the stuff that them and the Lucha uh, bros have been doing recently on impact has been stellar uh going against loki the ex mlw champion and ricky martinez who's a badass uh this should be a really violent badass high-flying match um but i see lax winning 
who knows, maybe the forgotten Impact wrestler himself, Loki, pulls off the wind and starts off a new direction over at Impact. Uh, but who do you got, Chris? Man, I, I I don't see LAX losing in this match. I could be wrong, but I think this will probably be one of the better matches of the night. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Those those, those guys can all go. So um, LAX is is one of my favorite tag teams out out there in the world. Definitely in the probably the top Me five. Too. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. Uh, breaking news, by the way. Uh, apparently, Impact actually signed a deal with Rob Van Dam. So he's going to be there oh. outside of just that extreme death match is what is being reported by ProWrestling.com as of four hours ago. So he's also doing some tapings and uh, start taping 429 in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, he will not be wrestling on the 428 Impact Rebellion pay-per-view because he had a prior commitment. So he is actually going to be under contract for Impact. So that could change the outcome of that first match we were talking about. Like I said, that is kind of well, breaking damn. news for me. I did not, I did not see that until just now. So, well, that's pretty awesome though, because I mean, Rob Van Dam, someone great to learn from. He's definitely a legend. Um, I know that Tommy Dreamers helped out a lot there. He's actually writing for them, and uh, Rob Van Dam's another person. It's just funny. Don Callis, Tommy Dreamer, Rob Van Dam. It's like the ECW people are taking over uh, Impact slowly but surely, which I have no problem with as long as they put on a good product. And Rob's still got it when it comes to in-ring work, man. Him and John Morrison could have a lot of fun doing a program together where the championship doesn't even have to be on the line because they're both legends and both can move extremely fast for their age. Well, obviously, RVD is a little bit older than John, but you know what I'm saying. Um, well, just your, your – your, uh, retort from that if you have anything and also the last match the match you've been waiting for i'm sure chris the intergender match where i get to see tessa blanchard kick the shit out of joey ryan <laughs> who's got that i one? think it's a dumb fun match it's gonna be a joey ryan match so i'm not looking for anything more than that but yeah hopefully tessa wins disclaimers. That'll be fun. yeah disclaimers tessa's probably gonna beat up joey ryan which would be funny um Joey Ryan's going to be getting his ass kicked by a lot of girls <laughs> over this Mania weekend. Because so I think he's also wrestling uh, Moth. And then <laughs> there's someone else he's wrestling that's named something in my mind right now. But, yeah, I would just expect this to be a typical Joey Ryan match. King of Fleas and, uh, you know, King of Dong style, so to speak. If you hate Joey Ryan, probably don't watch this one. <laughs> that, would, that would be my advice. Um, as far as I think it will be fun. It'll just be fun. I've just given up on, like, it's 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 just to it's gonna be yeah you just accept that it's the fucking Joey Ryan match at this point. Um, <laughs> Rob Van Dam uh, signing with Impact, I think it's really cool. I think his last run in WWE was just hindered by his booking, his movement and stuff in the ring. He didn't look like he didn't he didn't look like Kurt Angle looks right now. Let's go with that. So I'm interested to see what they'll do with him. Um, I would think this would hopefully lead up. I, I'm not sure. Is he in the TNA Hall of Fame? If he isn't, if not, he's someone should definitely be a first string. Yeah, I would say just based on him being there. Yeah, and he's not. So this could just be leading to him being um, in the TNA Hall of Fame if he hangs around for a little bit. So it's it's usually announced at Slammiversary. That's a good little ways away. 
So, it, it, yeah, I mean, it could just be something he's going to have a little run there. I think there's some interesting matches you can have with him and Eddie Edwards or him and um, Johnny Impact, obviously. There, there's stuff that he can do. That oh, him and Brian fun. Cage would be a lot of fun. Because Brian yeah, Cage is big, so, but he can flip and shit. Ooh, that's cool. I mean, just I, I'm not going to expect, like, 2001 Rob Van Dam from this, but at the same time, I think that he still moves well enough to have decent matches and is a big name and impact kind of needs, needs some guys like this every once in a while to just keep their name in the news. And I think him wrestling that match with Sabu and them announcing, probably officially announcing the contract signing um, will be a huge deal for them. So that that's cool and interesting. Like you said, I think he can be a mentor. The stuff with Tommy Dreamer, I think Tommy Dreamer helped Eddie Edwards a lot. Outside of just, you know, the incidental thing with Sammy Callahan, the, the little feud he had with Tommy Dreamer, I think, kept Eddie Edwards relevant and uh, gave him something to run with character-wise. So, I don't know, maybe Rob Van Dam can provide that to someone else. Who knows? I agree. And, you know, especially with the X Division, a lot of those smaller guys, I'm sure a lot of them look up to Rob Van Dam to some extent. So, we'll have to see and see what his impact is. An impact. All right, let's move on to NXT TakeOver, which is uh, Friday night. Um, God, there's only five matches on this, and all of them I am equally as excited about. I really am. I'm, I'm getting giddy right now talking about it. Um, let's start off. Uh, we got the War Raiders, uh, Hanson and Rowing, going against the uh, winners of the Dusty uh, Classic, Alistair Black and Ricochet, who, yes, is going to be having a match for the SmackDown championships on WrestleMania. And they kind of made it look like they were going to have a, a match against the revival for the Raw championships. Obviously, that's not happening, but just kind of weird since these guys aren't a tag team. They've been doing great as one, though. Uh, anyways, this is going to be for the tag team uh, NXT championships. Who do you got, Chris? You got the War Raiders or you got Aleister Black and Ricochet? I think the War Raiders are retaining, especially since they're going to be on Mania. I think the War Raiders are retaining, but by some sort of fuckery. <laughs> and Let I me ask you that. on NXT shows, but I would assume that you have someone from that four-way stiff them. Like the Undisputed To build era, up the mania. Off. You could do that, or you could do someone from the, uh, the actual title four-way at Mania. Here's, here's my thing, though. If they lose... If they if they lose, which makes sense, to the War Raiders, the NXT tag champions, they're not going to fucking win the SmackDown because that would make them look that that doesn't make any sense. You know what I'm saying? Like I hate to put well, the SmackDown championships but to beat the Usos and to lose the War Raiders. That doesn't smell, uh, sound like good booking at all. Yeah, I mean, my guess is that they actually win this match by disqualification. You could do something uh, like undisputed errors attack War Raiders. That's probably the easiest way to do this. So then well, whatever Black they do. and Ricochet didn't lose. But I, you get what I'm saying. I, you can't have them lose yeah. clean. And I don't know. The, the thing about the – this would be a great match on paper, <laughs> except for, like, in my mind, I know there's some kind of fuckery. <laughs> so Yeah. No, but, I agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, the, uh, the smart the smart booking is whoever interferes actually attacks the War Raiders so that you don't have Ricochet and Alistair losing. Unless you're going to have them start to argue with each other and tease a breakup between the two of them, but I, I don't really know why you would do that right before Mania unless you're going to explode that into a feud. Yeah, 
it's just weird having them part of the same, you know, tag team in general. I mean, I know that there are times where Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels were the tag team champions back before Austin got the belt. I know that we had the Rock and Sock connection, but it's just kind of a a weird, a weird. It's like if you put all right, early nineties. It's like if you put Owen Hart on the same team as the Undertaker. You know, it just seems kind of strange having them in a tag team together. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. It's a little weird. Their personalities don't match. Their characters aren't anything alike. They haven't really ever crossed each other's paths to build that respect in battle. So it's just kind of a weird. At least with like Austin and some of the guys he teamed with, he'd also fought all of the all of those guys in singles matches, and kind of had long so runs with like or like you know Rock and Sock connection. Like Rock and Mankind had an ongoing feud before they got this mutual respect and became tag partners. It is a little weird. It's a little bit weird. I just stupid sound bitch over here. Fucking stack of dimes. Anyways, um, Pete Dunne versus Volta for the WWE United Kingdom Championship. I have been a horrible fan of of uh, NXT UK because I've been literally fast-forwarding for stuff involving this. And there's a couple other stuff I usually catch. I, I like watching Jordan Devlin. And uh, I forgot the guy from New Zealand that wraps his uh, flag around his face. Dang, if, he's on the tip of my tongue. But either way. The stuff with, with Pete Dunne and Walter, I've been watching all the uh, little clips on YouTube. Uh, this past time, Pete Dunne just cut a killer promo on the contract signing. Walter hasn't said a word this whole entire time. And he goes to get out, and Walter goes, Peter! Like, very, very – he sounds like Arnold, which is awesome. It's even cooler about it. And he uh, told him he's going to take his championship. And you know what? Pete Dunne's had that championship for about three years now. I think they're going to pull him and put him on main soon. I really do. And try to – get him to be the modern uh, Chris Benoit, if you will, because we know that he has that potential. And Walter's going to start his – Walter's going to bring me more of a reason to watch NXT UK, basically, because he's one of the top European wrestlers. He's a badass. He hits like Kento Kobashi, but he's got that stare and presence like like a young Andre. And uh, I think this is going to be – this could be the best match of the night, honestly. Just just based on – seeing Walter and Tyler Bate and seeing all of Pete Dunn's stuff. I, he works really well with smaller guys. Uh, Chris, who do you got between Volta and uh, Pete Dunn? I, I'm going to have to agree with you. I think Walter actually is going to pick up the title here just because they need to get it off of Pete Dunn, whether he's going to be wrestling for the NXT title before he heads up to Maine or if he just heads directly up to Maine. But either way, he's had the thing for so long. <laughs> Whoever wins it, it should be a big deal on – NXT UK. So giving that to Walter and making him be a dominant force will only help that roster as far as who he's going to be feuding with on a weekly basis. So uh, I, I tend to agree with you, and I think it will. It could easily be the match of the night. Um, man, and Pete Dunne's so fucking good. When he does the dislocating the finger spot, I just love that he puts it back in place because no one ever does that, and it's fucking phenomenal. Just little shit like that. The guy is so damn good. So I really want him up at Maine as soon as possible. And uh, that might be one of the matches I'm looking forward to the most of the entire weekend um, at any of these events. Maybe a little biased, but I, I think that, that thing is going to be an absolute banger. Yeah, I would even – and, you know, this, is, this, this has to do with also with uh, NXT, um, different areas basically within WWE, the bigger that they get with all these sub-promotions. You know, knowing that someone like a Finn Balor – 
Obviously, if you give them the IC belt, you have them in a program. That's great. But if you were to have a situation where you didn't have anything for Finn to do, since his family lives up there, if you had him come in and just have a program, you know, just like a couple-week program close to a takeover with Walter, it's going to draw eyes to that product. Uh, Same thing with Aleister Black, someone that's already been big over in Europe and the U.K. Uh, You know, if you have those guys from over here, if you kind of trade them off a bit, and give them a chance to be at home a little bit more for a short period of time. I think that might be beneficial. And, you know, you got already a bunch of great wrestlers over in NXT UK if people watch. But I'm just saying for the big title itself, you put a lot of prestige in it. You've had two great champions, especially Pete Dunne, also in Tyler Bate. And I think Walter will add to that lineage. And it's going to be interesting what they do once they build over in India, say, or, you know, Japan, you know, having certain people go there to represent, to kind of help out, uh, I think is also something to think about. And maybe they are thinking about it right now, currently over in WWE. Um, Yeah, I agree with you. And hopefully this leads to when they get all of these different federations up and running, it leads to some sort of international tournament. And they actually throw in guys from the main card. Because I think throwing in someone like a Finn Balor, you could really escalate one of the, like elevate one of those stars if you have him lose a meaningful match. You know what I mean? Um, yep. he, and he can even retain his title because it's a tournament. And I always say this because I think New Japan does really good job with their tournament and building superstars out of it. It's a good way to get a lot of people over if done right. If you narrow down the point system a little bit so that it's a little easier to understand for the American audience, I think it's a fucking great idea. And I don't know why the amount of talent that they've signed and have going and the stuff that they don't have when they don't have anything for these people to do, it would be the perfect thing to do to get people to tune in to see just good ass matches because they nail their tournaments. When they do them, they're always entertaining. So do it and make it mean a lot would be my thought on that. Oh, yeah, and I mean, even the U.K. finals, I mean, it was really awesome uh, within the storyline that uh, Jordan Devlin's, uh, you know, opponent got hurt, and his Finn Balor had to come out, basically, and take him on, teacher-student match, because that's, that's the person that taught him. You know, stuff like that is pretty damn cool to do, and like I said, if you get them closer to their actual home, it gives them a chance to actually relax and, and you know, get better, and then work with the, that said talent as more of a mentor role while you're over there. All right, let's move on. We got Shayna Baszler versus Io Shirai versus Bianca Belair versus Kari Sane. Kari Sane and Shayna both need to go up to Maina. Uh, to me, they've been there for so long. I want to say Io gets it, but I could see them putting it on Bianca Belair. Who knows? Maybe they'll keep it on Shayna Baszler. Uh, but I'm going to go with Io Shirai. Who do you got, Chris, out of the four of these ladies? I think they probably go with Bianca Belair just because, I, to me, she's a little bit more over than EO, and it's mostly because they haven't used EO to her full potential. Um, but I think that is your next feud, is EO versus Bianca. And Shayna and, and Kari, I, I do believe, go up. I the agree. only caveat I would All say, right. unless, they just, unless they just put them as a tag team. Yeah. You know. That's a good point. Which is what we thought they were doing at Mania. It I think that was how much the plan. stock they're going to put, how much stock they're going to put in that women's tag team division, I guess, because those are both two female superstars to me. Like once Ronda's gone, that you could easily book really, really well against people like Oscar and Becky and Sasha. 
So I guess it just depends on what they're doing. So, yeah, so if the uh, Sky Pirates become a tag team and they kind of push them in the women's division, and then if you think about Shayna Baszler, the fact that she should be getting pushed soon, I guess Bianca Belair kind of does make the, the, the most sense. All right, let's go to the NXT North American Championship match. This is also something that could steal the night. Uh, Velveteen Dream, who always, win or lose, puts on some of the best matches at TakeOver against bro Matt Riddle, who I know a lot of people can't stand Matt Riddle because of the bro gimmick. I love it. I think it's great. And I love that he, from zero to 60 within the ring, he'll go from being the chill guy to being the ultimate warrior and just going crazy. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, overly animated for no reason, but just a bunch of craziness. And I think that Velveteen Dream is actually going to retain that championship. Chris, do you see it any other way? No, I tend to agree with you just because they don't have the top title right now or the top title is not really locked down. I think they're going to go with, we're going to talk about this in just a second with Adam Cole and try to build it around him. But right now Velveteen Dream is their biggest star in my opinion. So I think he'll retain and probably feud with Matt Riddle for a little bit before they pull him up to Maine. It's, it kind of sucks because I think Velveteen Dream is going to end up leaving NXT before he ever gets the NXT championship, which which is crazy. <laughs> which is kind of crazy because he's been so fucking good. I mean, he's ready. There was a time where we were kind of like, I don't know if he's ready yet, but he's, he's fucking ready to go. Um, I just don't know that this is the time you put it on Matt Riddle. I think you can build it a little bit more um, for down the line. So I, I tend to agree with you on this. I think it'll be a really fun match. I don't want to go as far as saying it'd be like the match of the night or anything, but it could, it could definitely be really, really entertaining between those two for sure. All right, you, you already were talking about it. We got Gargano versus Adam Cole. Now, prior to this, we do know that it was supposed to be Ciampa versus Johnny Gargano after Gargano set up Ciampa and kind of screwed him over before Ciampa could screw. Basically, like, it was such a great storyline, and it, it, it should be, happens with this, is Ciampa loses finally to Johnny Gargano, and he gets a championship. And poor Johnny, but because of fate and just well, how to happen with Ciampa, and we, I hope Ciampa gets better. I know that he updated and said that uh, if if he does come back to wrestling, it's going to be on borrowed time, which fucking sucks. But going back to this, Johnny seems like he should be winning this. Now that Adam Cole is uh, getting a chance, I think they're going to get it to Adam Cole and uh, let you know the uh, undisputed era continue into this next year of NXT dominant as shit. And um, Gargano, I would hate to see him on 205 Live, but I'd watch it if he was there. But either that or they try him on Raw SmackDown in some way, maybe SmackDown, let him be the new guy in town. I mean, he's still got people like Masapa Ali to, to deal with, Samoa Joe. You can definitely put, bring him part of mid-card, but I think that him and Ciampa together, either against each other or together, kind of put a little bit more pizzazz similar to probably how Sami Zayn is to Kevin Owens, where the counterpart seems like they need to be there in order to bring them out. If that makes sense, Chris. Yeah, I agree a lot with that. Like it's, it's weird with Sami Zayn, but his stars are kind of so aligned with Kevin Owens, even going back to the independence with El Generico and Kevin, Kevin Steen. This is very similar. Um, <laughs> so it, I could see Gargano winning this match and becoming champion just to have Adam Cole something to do for a little bit. 
and then I don't know what you do with Gargano after that. That I that's still a question in my mind. Because sending him to two oh five live, it's just gonna be him versus Buddy Murphy, which will be fucking awesome for everybody, but I don't know that, you know, there's much more you do with him outside of that. I think obviously the place to put him would be SmackDown. But eventually Sami Zayn is gonna come back and you kinda of have a very similar mid card guy who I consider a little better. Um I don't know. My problem with like Gargano is a good wrestler and what they'll end up doing if he gets pushed to that main card of Raw or SmackDown is they'll just have him be the guy that loses matches against other guys similar to like Dolph Ziggler or even Sami Zayn um, to some extent, which makes me worried. I, it, it sucks that Ciampa is hurt because I think him winning the belt from Ciampa and then them both going up and becoming a tag team together, you would still have a really good tag team. And it could still end up being that way because I think that's one way that Ciampa could have Sorry. a longer career when he's not having to straight be a singles wrestler because you could have Gargano carry a lot of the match. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That sucks. It sucks to hear the stuff coming out about Ciampa. It's like if you were if you were John Oliver and you wanted to point to something with current wrestling, you could have easily pointed to Ciampa's neck injury and kind of how that thing was glossed over a little bit, or, you know, Daniel Bryan in the past, some of that stuff, or the, the multiple concussions from different female competitors. So that's that's kind of what I was getting at with, like, you know, if you're going to talk about stuff, you should try to make it, you know, relevant to now. But, yeah, I, with Gargano, I have no idea what they're going to do with him. I'm assuming he's going to hang around NXT for a while until they figure out or get that one spot. My worry is that they try to book him like Brian Daniels and bring him up to, you know, SmackDown, um, which means he's going to take a lot of losses, and that doesn't always work, contrary to popular un, or popular WWE belief. Uh, it, it could just kill his character. So, hopefully, they don't go that route. Yep, I agree. Um, all right, let's move on to Ring of Honor New Japan G1 Special. At Madison Square Garden, uh, we're going to skip the pre-show. And since we got this in, also WrestleMania, Chris, we'll try to be, especially I think we went over our, our predictions for this like a week ago, but there's been some additions to this. So we'll, we'll, we'll go just a little bit faster on some of these early ones. Um, the first one being, and I'm surprised they're not doing hair versus hair. Of course, Dalton Castle would never let them touch his hair. Uh, Roosh versus Dalton Castle. Um, I would say that if, if you're pushing Roosh, you know, within Ring of Honor, because they just signed him, the ex, you know, one of the ex champions, recent champions with Dalton Castle would make a lot of sense for him to get a win upon. So I don't think it really kills Dalton Castle too much. I'm going to assume that Roosh is going to beat him. I, I could see that. I am, I know Dalton Castle just got back, I guess it was a couple of months ago from injury. So I don't know if they have anything in the pipeline for him, but Roosh would be. It's not the worst idea to push him. I think that might be a good idea. So I, I could I could see that happening. I think it'll be a really fun match, though. Honestly, me too. It should be interesting with their with difference differences in style. All right, so we were wondering who uh, Bully Ray was going to be going against in the New York Street fight. Um, I had said I would love Minoru Suzuki. I knew I saw a lot of stuff for Ishii. And it ended up being um, the U.S. champion, uh, Juice Robinson. I guess Bully's going for those damn indie boys again. So, uh, 
I feel like there's going to be some type of shenanigans. Uh, maybe Flip Gordon gets involved with his old enemy, and Juice is probably going to win. It's not for the belt, I don't think, but I can't see Bully p- pinning the champion, basically, because if that happens, then he's owed a uh, – Bully's going to lose this. Uh, do you agree with me, Chris? I definitely think that Bully is going to lose this regardless of the title. Didn't I thought Juice Robinson dropped the title recently. Am I incorrect on that? Let me look it up. I could be wrong. But either way, I think that, you know, with this being – there's going to be a lot of this back and forth with these mixed matches with Ring of Honor. Because like I, what we've talked about in the past, you don't you don't kind of go into an event wanting your guys to, to lose. So it's uh, – I, I, you know, with Juice being kind of the stature he is – in New Japan, I, I would see him getting the win here. And it doesn't hurt Bully Ray because Bully Ray's a legend. So um, I think you're spot on with Flip Gordon, but I believe Flip Gordon is, if I remember right, Flip Gordon just re-injured himself. So he might be out. Oh. out. That doesn't mean he can't do a run-in, but he. Uh, I, I remember recently hearing something that he had the same injury that Cody had with his knee. Not 100% that sure, but anyways, Juice Robinson was is the champion. He beat Cody back in January for that belt, for the U.S. belt. So, either way, let's keep on going. We get the Woman of Honor World Championship. I know Kelly Klein, and I see – I can't pronounce this, this woman's name, and I feel so bad. She's a badass in the ring. Mayu Iwananati? No, that's definitely not it. I want Tani. Yeah, Mayu Iwantani. Anyways. She's a champion. I've seen some matches with her. She's awesome. Great submission wrestler. Um, I'm going to go. She retained. She's had the championship now for a while. I think since September, if I'm not, if I'm correct. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Uh, probably retaining here. If I remember right, and I could be fucking this up hard, I believe that she was kind of Oscar's protege. I could be wrong on this, though, but... Um, I know that she's a huge deal in stardom, and I would assume that she's probably going to retain here. Stardom also has a big event this weekend, um, so she's probably doing double duty as well. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. Here's a match I'm definitely looking forward to. We have Zack Sabre Jr., the champion, versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the uh, Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship. Uh, both of these guys were awesome in that tournament with a lot of the stuff that I saw with them. Um, I'm a really big Zack Sabre Jr. fan. Tanahashi's been taking a lot of losses lately, and I think this is going to continue because I think Zack Sabre is going to retain the uh, RPW British Heavyweight Championship. What do you think, Chris? I agree with you. It would be weird for Tanahashi to win here. It could go time limit draw. They That's could do true. a thirty-minute time limit draw in this match. That would actually, if I was, if I had to bet, that would be my guess, just so that they can put this as a New Japan match as well. So, like later down the road, you'll get to see this match again. Because I mean, that just New Japan tends to build stuff like that, so I could see this one going to time limit draw. Yeah, that's definitely something I could see happening too. All right, we got uh, the champion, the IWGP. Uh, junior heavyweight champion, uh, Taji Ishimori, and he's going against Dragon Lee and Bendito. 
All these guys are monsters when it comes uh, on a cruiserweight level, on a uh, junior heavyweight level. Just the stuff they can do with their bodies and their size is crazy. Um, Bandito is straight, ring of honor, and this is what I said last time. Dragon Lee obviously works with uh, CML, but they have a close relationship with New Japan. So this makes me think that either Ishimori would retain the championship or possibly Dragon Lee would get it. I don't see Bandito getting it, even though I think that he's probably one of the, the favorites in this match. Yeah, I I think potentially Dragon Lee could win here, but yeah, I I don't see Bandito getting the title. It's probably going to come down to Ishimori and, and Dragon Lee and how they're going to book it going forward. I do think this is going to be one hell of a match, so I'm looking forward to seeing it, but um, it just depends on whether they want Dragon Lee to have the title or Ishimori to have the title leading into that tournament. It, it, so I, it's, I, it's almost flip a coin because they feuded in the past before. Um, either way, it, this should be a good match. Yeah, this this should be a, a banger of a match. And actually, this next match, I think, potentially could steal the night. Uh, for, and you would not think that normally with a four-way tag match, but Tama Tonga and Tongalo, the champions, are going against Brody King and PCO. Oh, I, sh- I should uh, differentiate. Tama Tonga and Tongalo are the um, IWGP tag team champions. Brody King and PCO are the Ring of Honor champions, and they are going against Evo and Sonata and the Briscoes. Winner takes all for the IWGP and Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. I want Evo and Sonata to win this. Either that or I want Tomatonga or Tongalo to retain. But the Briscoes, them being a part of this, is awesome. Uh, I love uh, Brody King, and I love PCO and his resurgence. This should be a fucking fun tag team match that will be booked correctly, unlike possibly one we're going to see on Sunday night. What do you think, Chris? Man, I want Evil and Sonata <laughs> to win it so bad, just because I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, I also don't know that they would want to do the travel for Ring of Honor, so I kind of think Tamatonga and Tingalo will retain I think either way, that's going to be one hell of a match, and I can't wait to watch Evil just fucking wreck people as always. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It'd be really, really great to see Evil and uh, Sonata win, and then following up, leading up to later in the night, NATO retain, and then you have just a plethora of fucking belts uh, in that faction, which could be pretty awesome. Agree, man. It's like Wrestle Kingdom all over again, for crying out loud. All right, let's get Will Ospreay versus Jeff Cobb. Winner takes all match for the Never Open Weight Championship and the Ring of Honor TV title. Jeff Cobb has been going back and forth with Ring of Honor and working in Japan a lot. And I think Will Ospreay, I said this last time, needs to probably go into the heavyweight division and start locking down some stuff over there, especially against his mentor that might be taking over but we'll get that championship match in a second. Um, yeah, I think that Jeff Cobb with both championships, it would look good. He tried to get the never open weight uh, off of uh, Goto throughout the summer. Well, didn't didn't really. I don't think was able to obtain it. He's been an awesome TV title championship. I don't expect Will to be going over to the U.S. to do stuff with ROH. So, like I said, Jeff Cobb will win. Will Ospreay will start going in the heavyweight division. What do you think, Chris? 
I think that's spot on. I, I, I think it's a good way to get Osprey back up to the heavyweight division. And and like you said and alluded to, I think a lot of that decision pivots on this the, the, the main event of this card. So I actually agree with you on that 100%. It should be a really good fucking match with varying styles. And I hope that we get the spot where Jeff Cobb just launches a guy charging at him. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite fucking spots in wrestling. And I think Will Osprey will sell it like a madman. So I'm looking forward to that match. It should be a banger. And uh, Jeff Cobb having both those titles, I, you know, it's a never open weight title. It's not that big of a deal. The Ring of Honor TV title, having both of them raises his stock. It doesn't really hurt Will Osprey because I, he's going to be in all of the tournaments over the summer. And he's definitely going to be having matches with his mentor, Kazuchiko Okada. So it's a good time for him to drop the title on this pay-per-view. And, and it also gives them an out to have a title change for maybe where some of these matches, they don't want to do that. So I, I can definitely see that happening. Agreed. All right. Tetsuya Naito, the IWGP internet or intercontinental champion is going against Kota Ibushi. Holy fuck, man. Just saying that just like gave me chills. Um, I think Coda's going to have a little bit of fall from grace, man. Now that Kenny's gone, to kind of add to the the, uh, the uh, Golden Lovers storyline, if you will, you know, just to add to that layer, he's going to lose a little bit to get back up and eventually possibly get that heavyweight championship. So I think Naito is actually going to retain. Coda's going to lose. Yeah, I, I can see that. I could also see a time limit draw. Um I don't think they're going to do two on one show. So that would obviously change the Tanahashi match a bit. Uh, but yeah, NATO versus Ibushi. I feel like NATO is going to retain here. And then you'll Please see Please let Ibushi them not kill each other. I don't think they're going to kill each other. I think it'll be an awesome match. They're definitely going to do everything that they can do and throw everything in there because at the top of this card is Okada versus Jay White. So NATO and Ibushi may end up having the, the fucking easily the match of the night it just it re- they're gonna try they're gonna try their damnedest so that's gonna be that match right there is one to fucking definitely watch if you didn't even plan on watching the entire pay-per-view this one i would definitely watch either that night or the day after um but for sure i i i kind of agree with you i think nato probably retains only because i think you're gonna get kota abushi winning one of either the i think he's probably gonna end up winning g1 Honestly, so with New Japan booking, I could easily see NATO, you know, retaining here, and then that gets set down the line, and he gets his com- comeuppance a little bit in the G1. I agree. All right, we got a three-way ladder match for the Ring of Honor Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Jay Lethal, the champion who's had that belt for a while now, is going against Marty Skrull and Matt Taven. Recently watched the Ironman match versus. Uh, Taven and Lethal have a hell of a lot more respect, and I, you know, at least wrestling knowledge for Matt Taven, and I always have liked Jay Lethal. I think he's one of the top performers uh, of his generation, up there with AJ and a lot of those guys. Um, but I think that th- they're going to be so concentrated on each other that Marty is going to go up there and finally become the Ring of Honor Championship, or Ring of Honor Champion, I should say, and uh, you know, and then they can continue their feud afterwards. Winner of that goes against Marty or, or let someone else step up uh, into a role to go against the villain. But, yeah, I definitely think villain is going to win in, if you will, Chris, in. God damn it. 
I also kind of agree with you. We we talked about this one a little bit last week that it makes perfect sense for Marty to kind of take advantage of this feud that Lethal and Taven have and basically steal the title um, out from under them. They, Taven and Lethal can continue to feud. You can cool Lethal off for a little bit. Uh, he's been t- champion for a while. He's not really been moving the meter, in my opinion. I think he's a, he's a good champion. He's just not – he's not anything that pops off the page as Ring of Honor champion right now. And, and I think Marty Skrull will do that, especially with how over the elite is, even though he's not part of AEW right now, he's still associated with it. And having him at the top of your card is not a bad thing. Um, the, my thing would be who's his opponent going to be, because I assume lethal and Taven will continue to feud. And then that gets more into Roosh and, uh, uh or Dalton castle, or maybe even Jeff Cobb, uh, having both titles and going after a third or something. So that, that's, is interesting storyline, but yeah, I see Marty Skrull sneaking up in here and, and getting the title. That dastardly villain. Well, the last match, of course, on this is for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship of the World. The champion Jay White is going against Kazuchika Okada. If anyone else won the fucking tournament, I would have probably chose Jay White. And I was choosing Jay White just without knowledge of who the hell it was. And me and Chris joked, well, what if Okada wins? Ah, there's got to be some way they're going to take him out. Okada is going to be the most dominant championship holding that title in the air, Madison Square Garden, since Bruno San Martino beat fucking Stan Hansen after he came back from a broken freaking neck. Okay? Okada's winning this. If he doesn't, they got to fucking – Gato's got to show me where the hell they're going with it because Jay White has potential again. Sorry that we've had two transitional championships and a championship that doesn't usually have, you know, a floater, if you will. But fuck it. Put it back on the fucking Rainmaker. Let him beat Switchblade, and let's have IWGP heavyweight champion now again, Kasuchika Okada. Free John? Yeah, dude, I 100% agree. I think this is a huge moment, a big chance to make a huge mark in Madison Square Garden history. Okada Rainmakers, Jay Wyatt's head off three times in a row, gets the pin. Money falls from the sky. Everyone loses their fucking shit. And then Okada goes on to have feuds with uh, Nato, Abushi, uh, Jay White again, and then Tanahashi, uh, and then probably Will Ospreay. I think there's so much shit you can do with that. It gets them out of a weird situation with Jay White. And it, to me, it's, it's a perfect time to do it. I know they don't normally like doing stuff like this outside of Japan, but it would be a huge fucking moment, and uh, especially at Madison Square Garden. I think it would be really, really cool. And I think it is the right time to do it again because they need that strong title holder after losing a lot of the superstars that they've lost recently um, outside of just the Bullet Club, but even going into like a – Kushida and a, and a few others. So it's, I think it's time to put it back on Okada and build whoever that next star is going to be. I think White has been great, and I think he will have a really good match with Okada, but to me, the right move right now is to put that belt back on Okada, especially because he went on a losing streak. He's hot. He won that tournament. He's a proven commodity, and he's a guy that can hold that belt literally for two years, and no one will complain about it, because every fucking match he has, he's such a great storyteller, he will get over. Even if you know in the back of your mind Okada is going to win, he's going to be able to sell the fact that he might not win. <laughs> he did it for forever against Shibata and Omega and NATO and Tanahashi. He's just that fucking good. So I have no problem with Okada winning here. Hopefully that is the case. I'm actually 
really hope that is the case. Me too, my friend. Me too, because, I mean, we've done over so many awesome matches so far, and that would be a huge moment in professional wrestling. We haven't even gotten to Sunday night with WrestleMania, but like I said, the Rainmaker, that title held in the air in the fucking, in, in, in God's favorite arena of Madison Square Garden. I don't even know if that's true. <laughs> Anyways, let's let's go to WrestleMania 35. Uh, for this, we have plenty of time, I think, but I want to go from the top card all the way to the bottom, just in case if there's any type of uh, quickness that we have to add to our pace, we can do that for some of the matches that aren't as big on this thing. So we're going to start off for the the uh, the uh, the main attraction, if you will, Chris, the uh, the final match, Ronda Rousey, the Raw Championship. Versus Charlotte Flair, the SmackDown Championship, versus the man, Becky Lynch, winner-takes-all match for both the SmackDown and the Raw Women's Championship. Now, we don't know if they're unifying that title or if this will just be something to set up and they'll figure it out as, as they go. Could be either or. We'll find out probably more on the Raw and SmackDown after WrestleMania. Either way, before I pass it to Chris, oh, God. Well... I think Becky's going to get it. For the longest time, I thought Charlotte was going to pull it off, and then they gave her a title. And now I just feel like, because of how they positioned one of the other matches we'll go to, uh, that that, that person is definitely going to lose. So, yeah, this is going to be one of your two biggest feel-good moments. And I think Becky is going to make, actually, Ronda tap out of the two of them. That can lead to more stuff down the road with her and Charlotte. What do you think, Chris? I have stuck by it kind of the whole time. I think Becky is definitely walking out champion. I, this is going to be a feel-good moment. They want everyone to like the fact that the, the women's main evented this. They don't want anyone to be sour on this thing. So I'm assuming Becky is going to win. And I also assume they're going to try to re-sign Ronda or keep Ronda around. So I think Charlotte will probably either take the pin or uh, a disarmor from Becky. I think it could be a situation where Ronda actually wins the match, but doesn't because the ref took a bump or she severely injures Charlotte's arm early in the match. And Becky ends up picking the bones of the corpse, so to speak. Um, just because I think you could build a feud with Becky and Ronda still, I think there's more there and, and that would be the route I would go with it. If I was WWE. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Hope that just depends on if Ronda's staying around, but that, that's my thoughts on this. My guess would be they're going to try to keep Ronda around, probably make Charlotte take the pin. She's already lost at a pay-per-view at this point, so that streak is broken. And I don't think they're going to give her the Undertaker-WrestleMania streak at this point. So, to you know, Becky wins. She takes the, the fall. Yeah, I think I think the main thing is probably is we're, we're saying if Ronda's going to have children and she's leaving, then she would not take the pin uh, or the the, the uh, submission. If she is staying around, you know that that that's where it changes up a, a bit. Uh, by the way, I love the segment that the women did. That was pretty damn funny. As as over the top and ridiculous it was, it was actually should have ended the damn thing on Raw, in my opinion. All right, well uh, this is the one I was talking about. So for the Universal Championship, we got Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins. And just like all the other small guys, the fact that Seth was standing tall over Brock 
I think Brock Lesnar is actually going to beat Seth. I know a lot of people are going to be upset about that. You can't have a bunch of shiny, happy moments. This could extend. I know the next big pay-per-view is in Saudi Arabia. Who knows if that could headline it. Um, especially since I don't expect it to be Roman, because Roman already told them that he won't go to Saudi Arabia, uh, like a couple of the wrestlers. So it's probably going to be an extension of Seth and Brock Lesnar, unless Seth wins, and then maybe Brock's taking a break. I don't see that, because now UFC seems like it's further in the distance, if anywhere, for, for Brock. So how do you feel, Chris? I think Brock wins this match. I, I think this is the one moment people are going to be disappointed in. I think they're going to give us Kofi. I think they're going to give us Becky. And this is the one where I said, you can't, they can't all be happy <laughs> when we were talking about this previously. So I think this one Absolutely. for sure is not going to make people happy. Like Brock Lesnar is probably going to be Seth Rollins. And uh, you know what? I'm, I'm fine with that. Brock, <laughs> they, at least they did enough to make it believable that Seth could win the match by having him beat down Brock. Cause the original plan was to have Brock. Apparently the original plan was to have Brock destroy Seth again on Monday. Um, and they didn't go that route. They Vince changed it last minute, which I think is smart. Uh, but yeah, I just to me, Brock was never in danger of losing this title unless he was going to UFC, and, and that seems like you said far down the road. And now that it's far down the road, I don't know that it'll ever happen. Um, exactly. So I, I, there's no reason to take that, the title off Brock. It just—it's just so weird. And I mentioned him earlier with the whole Master Square Garden. Bruno San Martino did the exact same thing Brock's doing for a lot longer, for years. When they just gave him the title, had him come on every once in a while at the Madison Square Garden for an event, and most of the time take off as much as he wanted because he didn't really want the championship at that point. He wanted to retire, but Vince Sr. needed him as a draw. I understand they position Brock as a heel, but he's an attraction. He is an attraction. Does he even need the belt to be an attraction? No, but if they don't have any, someone that's up to that level that can handle it, they're probably not going to give it to someone. And I love Seth Rollins. He's one of the best workers, but – I don't know realistically if he needs a championship belt right now. Um, I, yeah, and, and what yeah. I would also say about Brock is he's been having badass matches. <laughs> like exactly. The last three pay-per-views. Be a, I don't think this is going to be a dominated match either, like the one with him and Roman from last year. I think that he's actually going to have a good match with Seth and he'll end up winning right at the end, um, you know, in good fashion. Uh, speaking of which, the uh, guy that he also had a great match with, the uh, – the WWE champion, Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston. I think Kofi's going to win this. I hope Kofi's going to win this. I really, really hope Kofi's going to win this. Give us this feel-good moment. Please don't fuck with us. If you do, I'm, I mean, even with Daniel Bryan being the champion involved, I don't know why the hell he wouldn't want to trans, transition over. This will have very much a Triple H, Booker T stink to it, and I don't want that. Uh, just give him the fucking championship. He deserves it from, well... He's 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 earned it. Let's just put it that way. For multiple reasons, it. for being a ten year <laughs> a ten year player, I don't like to deserve it. Chant. He's 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 definitely fucking earned it. Chris, do you feel the same way? I don't think there's any way that Daniel walks out champion unless you're turning fucking Kevin Owens into the biggest heel of all time, which is possible. That is the only way I see you get out of this: is you turn someone into an absolute monster heel, which I kind of fantasy booked with him. Put starting to just immediately turns it into the Kevin Owens show, puts Alexa Bliss through a table. You go that route and do something crazy, maybe fans will forgive you, but I still think that has a stink on it that I wouldn't like. Um, yeah, I think Kofi walks out champ e- easily, and uh, we have a huge, huge celebration from the New Day 
which should be amazing. Hopefully there's fucking actual unicorns and pancakes falling from the sky. Are they real? <laughs> Maybe. Could just be horses with unicorn <laughs> horns taped to them. I don't know. Oh, but, uh, I, don't, yeah, I don't know if I, I think would be okay with that. I think it's a huge... Uh, I think it's a huge fucking moment. I mean, we're talking about, a, you know, there was a kennel match. There's more stuff Peter could be upset about with WWE. Bossman fed uh, Al Snow his pet dog one time. He could be pissed off at that. All right, all right, all right. Um, what was I going to say? Well, can we just, can we real quick, because we don't really give a shit and we don't, we don't have, like, a lot of time to talk about them. The Battle Royals. I don't care really what goes on. I feel like Braun's going to win the men's one, or they'll do some stupid finish, and Oscar is going to dominate the women's one. They'll give her that win to give her something at WrestleMania. Uh, Chris, do you see anything differently, or do you really even care? Uh, Oscar probably wins the women's battle royal because they're going to try to give her some sort of fucking leverage after taking the title off of her. The men's battle royal, I did give three shits less about. I thought that fucking Braun was fighting the people from Saturday Night Live. I guess, are they going to be in the Battle Royal? And if so, I would assume he went yes. by talking about out at the same time or something. Yep. Okay. Well, now that we get past that, let's get to some more of the cooler matches. Alright, Triple H versus Batista. Uh, this is going to be Batista's last match, period. If Triple H loses the match, he's done. For that whole thing, I don't think Triple H is done wrestling. I see Triple H beating Batista, finally getting a win over him. Um, how do you see? I mean, it would be fucking awesome if Randy Orton RKO's, like, both of them or something, and then they do a three-way match at, like, SummerSlam. <laughs> yeah, I would like that a lot, too. Outside of that, I think fucking Triple H just wins his match. Um, it's no holds barred, sledgehammer, pedigree, and... All right, uh, how about Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin? It's looking like this is going to be the match. Do we have a chance? If it is the two of them, I see Baron Corbin winning, unfortunately. Maybe Kurt Angle wins. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Do you think that's going to happen? And if you do, who do you think is going to win? And if not, is there a chance that John Cena saves this and we get to see Kurt Angle versus John Cena or someone So here's the shitty, the shitty part about this is they're pitching that Rey Mysterio was hurt. But – and John Cena is in New York, so he's confirmed he's going to be at this event. So he's either going to be in this Kurt Angle match or he's going to be in that Samoa Joe match. And yeah. I think that they haven't really fucking decided what they're going to do. But my guess is he's going to destroy Baron Corbin, or Kurt Angle was going to break Baron Corbin's ankle in like 10 seconds, and then you're going to get John Cena versus Kurt Angle, which I think would be a great crowd moment. Fucking awesome. Um because no one gives a shit about Baron Corbin at this point, and having just Kurt have a really dope moment where he just ankle locks him immediately, and and Baron can't wrestle, and then you actually get Cena versus Kurt because Kurt's like that can't be my final match. I think that would be the way to go. That's how I would fucking book it. Um, and then you let John Cena carry the majority of the match and and win, and you have like a Sean uh, fucking Flair moment or something. I love it. I hope that's true. I really do. All right, Shane McMahon versus The Miz. False count anywhere. Um, I hope that – I I really don't care. I hope that somehow Shane wins in some fucking stupid fashion, and I, I'm done with this afterwards. I really just don't give a shit. He jumps off, like, the top of the building. Yeah, I mean, I don't see the benefit of Miz winning when he's going to be gone in, like, four months because Maurice is pregnant again, right? 
So he's going to be leaving yep. for that. So uh, he, I would say the Miz wins this, and maybe they feud again to the next pay-per-view, but I think everyone's kind of done with this feud, so maybe you see Shane start a little hill faction and the Miz gets destroyed and injured. He can go take time off and, and do Miz and Mrs., and that's fine. I just I think where they were going with the Miz, now they can't push him there because they have people stacked in front of them like Kevin Owens and Mustafa Ali and uh, what's going to be Kofi Kingston. So now you have three top like three top baby faces that are going to be ahead of Miz's baby face run. So I just, you know, it's almost better that they write him off for a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Makes a lot of sense too. All right, we got AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. Who built fucking SmackDown, Chris? The Rock did. That's the right answer. Anyways, but out of these two guys, I think this could be a really fun match. I think that they could do a lot of cool stuff. I think they wasted us seeing visually the um, the uh, slingshot el- elbow from AJ into an RKO on SmackDown, but whatever. But I like their intensity. They had the best promos even out of Kofi and fucking Dan O'Brien on SmackDown going back and forth. So this match could be a lot of fun. It could be something really, really quick. I feel like they're going to give it to AJ Styles, though. What do you think? I tend to agree with you just because I don't see them giving Randy a big push unless they're going to continue the feud a little bit. But as far as the moment you say, I think that you could see, uh, you know, he also does that 450 splash slingshot. I think that's probably the RKO spot. If you're looking for the RKO spot, he'll slingshot. Damn. with RKO and it'll be fucking nuts looking um, but I think he'll end up kicking out and, and somehow winning maybe with a submission maybe a calf crusher or something but yeah I think AJ wins here I just I don't see a reason for Randy to win and unless he's going to be feuding with AJ for a while which if they're going to do that that's fine I have no problem with the 450 splash RKO pin Randy wins pisses people off people are going to need to be a little pissed off on the show because like I said I think we're getting some big moments either way so I kind of have no problem either way I think that is your RKO spot though for the slingshot 450 splash into the RKO I think is what we're going to see that would look so sweet I want it now all right Samoa Joe the WWE United States champion he's gone against well he's supposed to be going against Rey Mysterio for the belt now we know that Ray got a minor injury. Um, we, is, do we know if that's storyline driven or if that's true? I don't know exactly the full extent on it. I'm sure Chris will tell me as soon as I pass it to him. But, all right, if it's the two of them, Chris, I see Samojo retaining it. If they put someone in the place of that, you know, Ali's already been said, and Andretti's already been said to be in the men's battle royal. We already talked about John Cena. Kevin Owens doesn't have a destination. Could they put KO against Samojo for the U.S. title or pull like an Ali to replace him, Andrade. Wouldn't really make sense with heel on heel. John Cena come in. What do you think is going to happen? I, I think that they're, they're, they've slotted John Cena into two spots. And uh, I think Ray is probably fine to go, and they've built this into storyline as a cushion because they'll just sell that in the match if Ray's kind of hurt. They'll just have Samoa Joe attack that area. Um, I, I don't know what they think. I, I think they don't even know what they want to do with John Cena right now, but I do think it's between those two matches. What I would say is for Kevin Owens, he's probably just going to be fucking with Alexa Bliss and having the KO show because they've really been pushing the KO show on SmackDown, so I'm assuming it's something I could see it. over uh, that show. I don't think it's going to be heel like I wanted it to be, but I could definitely see him somehow 
Well, even the rumor and taking over. Well, even the rumor with KO uh, getting involvement with Alexa and that being his involvement in, in WrestleMania, there is a theory and or rumor and innuendo going around that um, when Elias goes to do his concert, John Cena is going to hijack that, or at least someone's going to hijack that. So there's a lot of stuff up in the air still. Um, so the next match we have the Intercontinental Championship. We got the Demon, just to let you know. And why did they let him do those weird noises on Smack? Uh, that completely killed it on Rob when he was like, blah, 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 blah. Like, what the fuck was that? Come on. Like, Vince is like, just be a demon. Be a demon. Like, come on. Ah, God damn it. It's almost as bad as Pumpkin Balor or where they had him go over the Irish fairy tale a long time ago. Either way, Bobby Lashley actually sold the fear really well, which I can appreciate. I, the, the Demon's going to beat him. He's going to get the IC belt. If they have Bobby Lashley finally defeat the Demon, it's, it's going to kill the little uh, credibility that Finn has left. I don't understand why the fuck they would do that. Who knows, though? This might be another one of those. Babyface has to lose in order for another one to win. What do you think is going to happen, Chris? No, I think that Finn's going to win this here. It would be a waste of him. I mean, they can just put the title back on Bobby when he's non-Demon, but Demon at WrestleMania, I feel like he's going to win. And and they're going to carry that streak for a while and probably build it back to him and Bray because Bray is eventually going to come back, um, which is unfortunate, but not unfortunate because Bray is coming back just because I think that's where they'll end up going with this. But, yeah, I see Finn's probably going to win here. All right, we got Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre. I think Roman's actually going to lose this match. Um, I don't have a lot. I mean, I don't remember who stood tall when they started beating each other down. No, I think Drew did. I don't know. I, if Roman wins, it's the feel-good concept, but he could lose at the same time because Drew could use a push, being one of the top heels for next year. Um, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go with uh, Drew McIntyre. What do you? What do you? What do you have to say? I'm going to go Roman Reigns wins by fuck finish, meaning that Drew gets disqualified. All right, we got a normal Eagles match. There's nothing around it, so I just assume that they'll just do a DQ. They'll wrestle for a while and then DQ and have Drew kill Roman, making him an even uh, more heartfelt babyface. We got the Boston Hug Connection, Bailey and Sasha, the champions of the WWE Women's tag team champions going against the Divas of Doom, Beth Phoenix and Natalia, the Iconics and Nia Jackson, Tamina, Bailey and Sasha are going to win this. That, that's what I think. What do you think? Fuck. I think if they're smart, they'll put it on the Divas of Doom after that fucking match I watched on Monday where it's seemingly the best wrestler in the whole damn thing was Beth Phoenix. I don't know what the hell happened to everybody else, but that was a fucking garbage match until Beth had her comeback. So <laughs> yeah, it wasn't no, I'm just kidding. I, the Boston Hug Connection probably retain here, but I, you know, I would be fine with the Divas of Doom getting it if they're not just going to do a one-off with Beth Phoenix. Um, at least you have a legitimate tag team that makes sense to go against Bailey and Sasha for a while until they can build something else. So I'd be completely fine with that. All right, we got another one of these weird tag team matches. Uh, the Usos, Jay and Jimmy Uso versus Ricochet and Aleister Black versus The Bar versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. I feel like the New Day should be in this. Aleister Black and Ricochet should be taken out 
They should be going against the Revival since they beat the Revival, got screwed by them for the championships. That would only make sense, and they, they're not on this at all. Um, and it should be the New Day versus the Usos. The New Day doesn't have to win, but just the New Day versus the Usos versus the Bar versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. Whatever. Usos are going to retain. That's what I think. Unless they decide to put it on Aleister Black and, and, uh, and Ricochet to add a little spiciness, I guess. I guess no Raw Tag Team Championships on this. I have a feeling the reason they didn't put the New Day on here is they're going to do something in storyline where they try to rob Kofi of his title shot, and there's going to be some sort of match that we're not expecting with the, or with, uh, the New Day. And it could be one of them has to win the Men's Battle Royal or something fucking weird like that. But I think that's probably why they're not on this card fully. And you're probably going to see some either some sort of weird tag match on the pre-show or them being part of the Battle Royal and one of them having to win and you get like Big E versus Braun or something fucking weird. Uh, I, I had forgotten about that when we were talking about the Battle Royal. But I could see them totally doing something that just to overplay how hard the cards are stacked against Kofi. Who do you think is going to win that tag match? The Usos retain? I think Usos retain. I don't see a reason to put it back on the bar and Nakamura and Rusev. While they've had some decent matches recently, they haven't built them out. And Ricochet and Aleister Black, they're not going to take the pin. But, I I mean, I guess you put the titles on them and they just become two guys with random titles similar to the bar. And I don't want that. What? <laughs> so hopefully that's what? not where they're going. <laughs> All right, you know, you, you, you take Alistair and and Ricochet out of that, and you put whoever in, the New Day, whatever tag team for the SmackDown belt. Why are they not going against a Revival since they built that basically for Mania for them to go against each other? Like, that's what I thought after Raw. Like, they screwed them over well, held them underneath the... The, the Revival are booked against... It's not on the card, but the Revival are going to be booked up against uh, fucking Zack Ryder and... Uh, Oh, yeah, I heard that today. And they're going to probably put over Zack Ryder and in the losing streak for both of them at WrestleMania. Yeah. I think that is the gimmick because I I don't think that they've completely convinced – did the Revival actually sign or did they give them titles so they wouldn't leave? So I think the gimmick is they're probably going to take titles from them. Yeah, so the gimmick is they're going to lose their titles to the guys that have a giant losing streak would be my guess. And, And that's why. That Ricochet and Alistair right, so match. This could be this, this could be a big match, but um, you know a lot of people are not going to pay attention to it. Tony Nice versus uh, Buddy Murphy for the cruiserweight match. Who do you got? It'll be a fucking awesome match. I think Buddy finally drops the title to Tony Nice. He'll get it back, but I think this is probably the time to drop it. He's retained it like four pay per views in a row, and has been running fucking wild, and has had some of the best matches on these pay per views. I think they'll tear the house down, um, at least on the pre-show for sure. And uh, I think Tony Nese actually walks out champ this time. All right, guys. That was a great episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Check out all of our coverage on gvnation.com. All of our news articles from Alec will be up there. Also, next week, we've got two shows we're doing, one for all the non-WrestleMania stuff that we just talked about, and one for Mania, Raptor Mania, and SmackDown. From me and Chris, thank you guys all for listening, and have a wonderful evening. Peace out, and let the Geek Fights be with you.
Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.